This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Today is Saturday, November 28, 2020. On this day in 1992, a group of armed men burst into a golf club dining room in South Africa and opened fire, killing four people and wounding over a dozen others. The attack came in the midst of tense negotiations to end the racist policies of apartheid in the country. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the shooting of several white diners by a small group of armed black men in South Africa. The violence occurred during a time of extreme racial tensions in the country, as a slew of domestic terrorist attacks claimed the lives of both white and black citizens. Now let's go back to a golf club in King Williamstown on the evening of November 28, 1992. It was supposed to be a pleasant, festive evening. A local wine club was hosting its annual Christmas dinner almost a month before the actual holiday. As the festive season could get busy, it just made sense to celebrate the end of the year a little early. There were around 60 guests at the dinner, which was being held in the dining room of the golf club. While the atmosphere inside the building was outwardly cheerful, tensions were rising across the country. In less than 18 months, a general election was scheduled, which could officially end the racist policies of apartheid. As a result, many of the country's institutionally protected ruling class, whites, feared retribution from the millions of South Africans who had been mistreated and displaced. Violent protests and demonstrations took place in nearly every major city, resulting in scores of deaths. Massacres were, horrifically, not uncommon. In June of that year, 45 people were killed in the politically motivated Boy Patung massacre. In September, military forces of the independent homeland of Siskei opened fire on protesters in the city of Bishu. Of the 80,000 people in the march, led by the African National Congress, 28 protesters and one soldier were killed in the attack, only about three miles away from the golf club. But despite the recent turmoil, King Williamstown was hardly an epicenter for protests and violence. At least, that's what some may have believed. So the mostly white members of the wine club likely felt at ease as they toasted to the coming year. But in a matter of seconds, the calm atmosphere was shattered as five black men burst into the room armed with automatic rifles and hand grenades. Without hesitation, the assailants tossed a grenade into the bar area and lobbed another into the dining room. 
They also sprayed the area with bullets, killing four people instantly. 62-year-old Ian McDonald and his 56-year-old wife, Rhoda, were two of the casualties. Another couple, David and Jillian Davies, were also killed in the initial burst of gunfire. 17 others were injured by the bullets, shrapnel, and shards of flying glass, including two black servers working at the dinner. Then, as quickly as it began, the attack was over. The armed men raced from the building and made their escape in a waiting car, leaving behind a room full of chaos, blood, and trauma. In the aftermath of the attack, authorities worked to find those responsible, but were at a loss to explain the motivations behind the violence. A member of the then-ruling Nationalist Party Parliament, Ray Radu, called the incident a totally unprovoked attack of terrorism against innocent people. Incidentally, Radu himself was one of the injured guests. Joining the National Party in condemning the attacks, the African National Congress, led by Nelson Mandela, described the attack as a bid to stir up more violence. Eventually, the gunmen were revealed to be members of the Azanian People's Liberation Army, the military wing of an African nationalist movement known as the Pan-Africanist Conference. The APLA slogan was, One Settler, One Bullet, which reflected their belief that all white people on Azanian land were unlawful occupiers. Unfortunately, the attack on the King Williamstown Golf Club wasn't to be the last of the blood shed on South Africa's march towards a more just and fair society. Coming up, we take a closer look at apartheid and the long struggle toward equality. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like UGG, Samsung, and Expedia. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
That's Rakuten. Now back to the story. On the evening of November 28, 1992, five black members of the Azanian People's Liberation Army opened fire inside the King Williamstown Golf Club in South Africa. Four white patrons died and another 17 people were injured. The attack was just one in a long history of politically and racially motivated violence in the country. According to the Washington Post, the shooting was the first of its kind perpetrated by black people against white citizens in South Africa, which might explain why it drew some international press. But if the shooters were out for widespread media attention, they were sorely disappointed. It seemed like few news outlets wanted to focus on the deaths of four wealthy white people. Though there were some initial reports on the crime itself, follow-up reports are more difficult to find, which suggests that the news barely made a splash. Given what we know about how crime reporting often favors white victims, it's interesting to examine why this incident didn't cause a massive stir. For that, we need to understand the state of South Africa at the time and the mindset of its citizens. Soon after the shooting, an unidentified government official confessed that, quote, at some level, the whites in this country are in a constant state of fear about what the black masses might do to them. Something like this happens and the anxiety level goes through the roof. This fear of the oppressed and displaced members of society was a direct reaction to the ruling National Party's dwindling power. The policies of apartheid had been in place for nearly 50 years by that point, reinforcing antiquated and racist attitudes in the country. Even in 1992, non-whites weren't permitted to vote in general elections, and the government made efforts to separate non-whites from each other. Since 1948, hundreds of race laws had been put in place, touching every aspect of life in South Africa. They restricted where people of color could live, what jobs they could hold, and where they went to school. In particular, the Race Classification Act segregated people into ranked classes. At the very top were whites, the people who made up a tiny minority in the country. Underneath them were Indians, followed by other people of color who weren't considered black. Finally, at the very bottom were black people. Dr. Anver Saluji, a political scientist from Ryerson University, points out that the purpose of these laws was to ensure that only white South Africans had access to and control of the country's resources and wealth. For years, apartheid was protested through nonviolent demonstration, but even that was sometimes met with force from the white government. Strict laws were enacted to punish those who dissented, and peaceful demonstrators were fired upon by police. Decades of rampant oppression, unrest, and violence ensued. Eventually, the international community joined the effort to abolish the racist policies of apartheid, there were calls for companies to divest from South Africa and a global movement to boycott the country altogether. Coupled with growing domestic pressure, support for apartheid began to crumble. In 1990, imprisoned political leaders were released and oppositional political organizations were allowed to form. 
negotiations began between the National Party and the African National Congress. It was eventually announced that the country's first free elections would take place in 1994. It was welcome news, but the announcement didn't bring immediate peace. In a country of nearly 40 million, there were around 40 murders each day. So with a contentious election around the corner, it's easy to see why attacks like the one on the King Williamstown Golf Club fell off the front page so quickly. There was just too much going on. In April 1994, a year and a half after the shooting, South Africa's first democratic election was held. Nelson Mandela's African National Congress won a decisive victory, marking the formal end of apartheid. The following year, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was established as a way to help the nation move forward. The restorative justice body sought to hear testimony from victims and perpetrators of human rights abuses and was empowered to grant amnesty to those who carried out politically motivated abuses. Perpetrators of the King Williamstown Golf Club shooting appeared before the commission and sought amnesty for their attack. It's difficult for many of us to fully comprehend the environment that created and perpetuated so much hatred and violence. In the end, it seems that South Africa decided that some parts of its past had to be let go to move forward. A brighter future could only be attained by forging ahead. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joel Callen, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Claire Cronin. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.